0: Well, um, again, glad you're here today as we continue into the book of Jonah. We're going into the book of Jonah. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Jonah. It's right there between Obadiah and Micah, all right? So uh, right there. And uh, um, as we continue in the chapter 3... Jonah is a four-chapter book, and we've been, this will be the third week in it, we've been taking a chapter and breaking down a chapter each and every week, and today we'll do the same thing, we'll make it through uh, the first, uh, we'll make it through the whole chapter of chapter three today, and so uh, uh, just an exciting time as we break uh, the word of God together. Um, In this, uh, if you're new with us, let me just kind of recap the first couple weeks really, really quick. Jonah was a prophet. He was a prophet on the run. He disobeyed the Lord. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 says this. It says the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai and said go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Uh, the people at Nineveh were so horribly Wicked, we talked about this in week one, I don't want to get back into this, but they were so horribly wicked, in fact, if I could kind of compare this to anything today, it'd be like a very intelligent, uh, common sense person uh, trying to make sense of the view, all right? Um, It's, it's, uh, (laughs) come on, that was good, that was good right there, if you're like, I'm a whoopee fan, (laughs) whoopee, right? So, (laughs) that was good. I don't. That that's the ultimate pun slinger right there. That that was good. But God told Jonah to go. And again, they this, Nineveh was horribly wicked. Horribly, the things they would do so disgusting. Get 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 the, the very first uh, chapter. Get that, that that message, and and you'll go through all that. Uh, but God told J- Jonah to go. And instead of hopping the next camel to Nineveh, he took the next boat to Tarshish. Y'all remember this? And as he goes, the boat's about to break up. Jonah says, it's my fault, throw me overboard. After a lot of reluctance, finally the sailors do so. They throw him overboard. Scripture says that God provided a great fish that captured Jonah. Uh, last week, we examined the prayer of repentance. as Jonah, he's, he's inside the belly of this great fish for three days and three nights. After three days and three nights, inside this bed and breakfast, which is the ultimate bed and breakfast, because he has a bed and he is breakfast, all right? And so as, as he is inside, uh, come on, that was good again. I'm just, woo! <laughs> the spirit is here. There, I got Donny over here and Ryan over here. I'm just, yeah. And so, but uh, after bed, after hanging out for three days and three nights, he finally decides. You know what? I, I better pray. <laughs> and so he does. And the Lord, he prays a prayer of repentance. The Lord commands the great fish to to vomit him out on dry land. And I like this. Something I didn't talk about last week, but as you look at that term, dry land, you'll see that a few times in the Bible. You'll see that term as Noah steps off the ark. After he's been on the ark, remember 40 days and 40 nights, he's on the ark. As he steps off the ark, uh, uh, he, he steps onto what the Bible calls dry land. As the children of Israel, as they're walking across the Red Sea, remember this? The, the waves are, are, are scattered apart, and they walk across on what? Dry. On dry land. Also, um, uh, the, the, you know, uh, uh, Jonah here, he's vomited out of the fish. He's vomited onto what? Dry land. You look at those, and there's, there's a couple other stories in there too, but I'm not going to get into them. But you look at those dry land moments. You see those dry land moments are moments of new beginning. New beginning. And I just hear, I'm going to express to someone this morning that maybe you're here and maybe you need a dry land in your life. I'm going to tell you, welcome to your dry land this morning. Oh, This is a new beginning for you. You can have a new beginning today. And so you're going to find dry land scripturally in this place today. Amen? Those are beautiful, beautiful pictures of what God wants to do through his grace and through his mercy. Finally, we get to chapter 3. That's where we're at today. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. And it says this. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I want you to circle that word a second time. Okay? That Hebrew word is the word shani, shani. The word of the Lord came to Jonah Shaney a second time, where it means again. And it doesn't just mean a second time, it means again, and again, and again, and again, and again. The way I finally got Jenny to marry me, I came to her again, and again, and again, right? And so we, we, uh, this word means again, and again, and again, the one who did not deserve a second chance got a second chance, aren't you so glad that you got a second chance, aren't you so glad you got a third chance, aren't you so glad you got a 437th chance, and a 1036th chance, come on, and so the word of the Lord came to Jonah again, and uh, a lot of people I know, they, they won't give people a second chance, well you messed me over once, I'm done with you, that, that's just a lot of, that, that's, that, that's the, the way a, a lot of us are, but God is a God of second chances, How many of you have ever watched VeggieTales? You want to break out in this song right now, the peas and the carrots and everyone's singing it. God's the God of second chances and so this morning I want to tell you God's the God of second chances and maybe you're here this morning and you have never surrendered your life to God I'm telling you today he's coming to you again he's giving you an opportunity again others of us like Jonah we've been in fellowship with God but we've been disobedient in the last chapter Jonah said what I have vowed I will make good and maybe there's someone here today you said God if you'll just get me out of this mess you know I'll I'll serve you God I'll give you my whole heart maybe it's time to make that vow good in this place because the word of the lord is coming to you again today as a student i remember when a friend of mine passed away actually he was a, a young man that i really looked up to and i really respected and when i was in uh, probably late elementary or early junior high this was a young man who uh, who was very very popular in our school very athletic he, my, my father was his ag teacher and And uh, we used to go to his house, and and I I just remember spending a lot of time with this guy and man, saying, man, when I grow up, I want to be like that dude because he was athletic and he was smart and he was good looking and and all the girls wanted to date him. And, you know, and and I just, yeah, that's that's the guy. And then I remember a night when he was, uh, uh, after a homecoming football game, he was killed by a drunk driver on his way home. And just, uh, his name was Alan Esco. And it just shook our community. It shook our school. And I remember being a, just a young, young guy. I think it was probably fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. But it shook me. And I remember attending his funeral. It was one of the first funerals I can remember attending. But I remember attending his funeral there in our basketball gymnasium. A packed house. Tons of, of people. And I remember the preacher talking. And, and it was the, the, one of the Baptist pastors. No, it was the, the, the Christian church pastor, Tommy McCullough. And he began to talk, and as he began to, to talk, I, can, I, can rem- I remember the Spirit of God moving upon my life, saying, it's, it's, it's time to, to start this thing. It's time that you open up your life to me, but, but I'll be honest, I kind of rejected it. And then a few years later, I'm attending a youth group over at McAllister First Assembly of God, with uh, some of my friends. Uh, You know, when when I grew up at Haleyville, uh, the whole time I was there, you know, I was the youth group. You know, how how many of you grew up in a church like that? You know, I was the youth group. When I come in, the youth group was there. I I was it. Which made us, by ratio, a great youth group. Right? People say, so "What kind of youth group you got? The best. Everybody, everybody gives. Everybody loves. You know, I was it. You know." And so I'd go to youth group with some of my friends over at McAllister and, and, uh, and I remember their youth pastors their name were Roger and Tammy and, and I remember one evening we were over at their house and just having kind of a hangout after youth group one night and, and Roger he kind of sat me down and he said man he said you know, I've just known you a few months but uh, man there's something God wants to do through your life I just feel like God has a, has a call to preach on your life man when you get up and talk when you talk in front of the youth group like they, they you know they're, they're just there's something there and I just want to encourage that in and I thought, no, there's nothing there. I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to work with hogs. That's what I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work with, with livestock. That's what I'm going to do. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was going to be an ag teacher. That's what I was going to do. And, and so I put that aside. I rejected it again. And, and then uh, some of my friends in high school, they went to this place called Falls Creek. Anyone ever heard of Falls Creek? And, and all my friends were Baptists. I was the only tongue-talking person there, right? At this time, I wasn't even tongue-talking. But I was the only, you know, and all my friends were Baptists. hey, you should come to Falls Creek with us. It's a blast. No, nah, I don't want to go. And, and they said, well, you know, there's basketball there. And I'm like, oh, hey, hey, hey. What? There's what? There's sports? Yeah. And they said, and a match is going. And a was this young lady who I'd had a crush on. All, she was like a senior, and I was like a 10th you know, grader. I didn't stand a shot. You know? I was like, a match is going. I'm there. Bless God. Hallelujah. Right? I'm there. And so I went. And there, y'all remember a, a group called Point of Grace? Remember that group? They sang. They gave a big concert on the last night. And they gave an altar call, and as they gave an altar call, I never felt the Spirit of God pull me in so strong. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do this, not here. I came for basketball, that's why I came, and I rejected it again. Some of you are looking at me like, right, have, you, have you accepted it yet? Please tell me you have. <laughs> yeah. But finally, my junior year of high school, I was at a revival over in McAllister, Hilltop Christian Fellowship. And as I was at that revival, there was an evangelist by the name of Roger Brown, and he began to speak. And as he began to speak, I knew I had found my well, that this was it. It was time to turn my life over to the Lord. And I did. And that night, I got saved on that night, and the very next night during revival, I come back, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit the very next night. Got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, I, I grew up in church, but I hadn't grown up in Christ. Come on, somebody. I grew up in church, but I hadn't grown up in Christ. The church had me, but Jesus didn't. That night he found me, and he got all of me. And I turned all my life over to him. And there are those who you will experience the grace of God today. I believe that with all my heart as we begin praying and talking about You you will experience the grace of God today. How how many remember an Etch-A-Sketch? you remember these toys called Etch-A-Sketches? What do they call them in Arkansas? uh, Computers. (laughs) <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if you're from Arkansas, I'm just joking. I'm just. How I many y'all remember Etch-A-Sketch? Y'all remember those things? I, we used to have one of those. And remember, you'd take it and you'd turn the knobs and you'd make all the little lines and and then what would happen when you were, when you were done? What, what could you do? You shake it, right? You could shake it. Sometimes I think my mama got me mixed up for an Etch-A-Sketch. She'd, right? <laughs> I'm clear, I'm clear, right? Maybe this morning, maybe it's, you have an Etch-A-Sketch moment. And you've been twisting the knobs of your life, and you've been directing your steps, and you've been guiding, and you've been doing what you want to do. Well, this morning, God just wants to come and not shake you. But he wants to shake all those thoughts out of your life. And he wants to shake all that sin out of your life. And all that regret and all that failure and all that hurt. He wants to shake all that out of your life. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a shaney a second time. And the Lord will come to you a shaney again a second time. And then verse 2, he says, go. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. Circle that word go. This word actually is two Hebrew words. It's kum yalak. Kum and yalak. And these words, they go together, and what they mean is is not just go, but go now. I didn't know my mom knew Hebrew, right? Because how many know when she said go, I I understood what it meant. (laughs) Go now, right? I didn't get that one. To, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I didn't get that. I got the right of fellowship if I didn't. You know what I'm saying? Go. Go now. Um, go urgently. Go suddenly. And whenever God comes to you a shaney a second time, he gives you another chance to lock to go now. Because how many know if you don't do it now, you'll come up with reasons why you can't go again. And so there are those of us who we hear, listen to the Spirit of God and you're going to recognize that there's something that God wants you to do. There's something that God, someone that God wants you to reach out to. There's someone who maybe you need to offer an apology to. There's someone who you need to, to, to maybe give something to. Maybe the Lord's been, 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 been on your heart to do that. Or maybe there's a sin in your life or a habit that we need to repent from. Or maybe there's just a conversation that we need to make right. And I, I want to challenge you. Kumulak. Go now. Go now! Don't don't wait! Don't sit there. Well, let me think about. No, if you think about it, you you entertain the thoughts of the enemy to give you all the reasons why you shouldn't. How many? know he he'll he'll give you every reason why you shouldn't. But there's one reason why you should, because God said so, and because He said so, He's got something better waiting on you. If you'll act in obedience, He will bring His blessing upon your life. So, cumulac, go now. Do it immediately. Now, why did God call Nineveh this great city? He said, go to the great city of Nineveh. They're, they're horrible. We learned that in chapter one. This is a horrible city. It's because they were great in influence. It was great in power. It was the greatest city of its time in culture. It was an ancient city, an ancient population of about 120,000 men. But a lot of scholars tell us that there are probably between 1.5 and 2 million people in this place, in the metropolitan area of Nineveh. It was very, it was the cultural epicenter of its day, very, very well-known city. And again, the epicenter uh, of, of culture of that day. Some people would say it's probably one of the most historical cities for its time, this city of Nineveh. It was surrounded by a wall. We talked about how it was so large it took three days to walk across the entire city from one point to the other point. It took three days to walk across the entire city of Nineveh. The metropolitan area of Nineveh was to believe to be 60 miles in circumference. That's a pretty big city in it. That's just a little bit bigger in ceiling, right? Pretty big city. The palace that sat in the middle of it was to believe to be over 250 acres in size. 250 acres, just the palace alone. That's a lot of cleaning, isn't it? I wouldn't want that job. But 250 acres, the palace alone. Think about that. And into this city walks Jonah. Billy Graham said this. He said, the will of God will not take you where the grace of God cannot sustain you. Into this city walks Jonah, and in verse 3, hallelujah, Jonah gets it right. In verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. This makes it all better. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. In the past, he did not. Guess what? In the past, some of us did not. But today, we have a chance to cumulak and to obey the word of the Lord Now. Skip down to verse 4. It says, On the first day, Jonah started into the city. I want you to circle that word started. Right above it, chalabo. Chalabo. And this word, C H A L A L B O W, chalabo, very literally means in the Hebrew language, to untie or to loosen to untie or to loosen so that you can go, so that you can do. I want you to get this picture. Remember last week we heard that verse that Jonah said that those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But now, now we we see that Jonah Chalabo, what he did is this. In order to start into a new direction, he had to let go of some old things. This will preach back here in the back maybe. In order to start into a new direction, he had to let go of some old things. A lot, of, a lot of times we're trying to take those old things, those old relationships, those old hurts, those old habits. We're trying to take those old things into the new destiny that God has called us to. And before we can go into that, we have to chalabow. We have to loosen. We have to untie. We have to let go of those old things so that we can get where God. Because if you take those things with you, you might be in the destiny that God called you to go to. But you will be miserable because half of you will be there and half of you will still be, still be back there. Exactly. Come on, somebody. And so you've got to loosen, you've got to untie, you've got to let go. And that, that's, that's what Jonah did. And so some of us, I know for myself, you, you've got to let go. And for, for me, what does this look like for me? Well, for me, I, I've, I've got to let go of control. I, I like to be a guy that, that, that's in the know, that, you know, that's in control. Okay, I know this is going to happen. That, how many know what I'm talking about? I, I like to be that, that guy. And so now I've got I to let go of control and let God have his way in my life. It is a walk of faith. It's a walk of faith. Right. Now imagine this. Imagine him walking forward into this city, Jonah. And he's going, okay, I've got to preach this message to these people. And I've read about them on the Internet. I've seen them face to face with my family. Remember, I know who these people are. Okay? This was very literally the ISIS of their day. And Jonah says, as soon as I walk in there, they're going to kill me. They're, they're going to kill me. And I wonder what had be going through his mind as he's walking into this city. They're violent. They do not like Jonah's type. They don't like his race. And so he's walking through there probably going, okay, what kind of sermon am I going to preach? Right? What kind of message am I going to display? What, what, maybe I can do the old classic about how if your life is empty and meaningless, God will make it all better. Maybe they'll like that one. Or, or, or maybe, you know, my old three points to happy life. You know, uh, one thing, uh, be happy. Number two, stop being mean. And number three, think happy thoughts. Yeah, that, that, that's good, that's good. Oh, step four, don't worry, be happy. I could write a song about that. Yeah. Right? I'll put a poem on the end, I'll do a funny joke, and man, yeah, yeah, yeah that, this, this should be good. This should be good. How many know he didn't do anything like that. He didn't do anything like that. Walking through Nineveh, you can almost picture the dust swirling, kind of like what we had, you know, up on the screen today. You can picture the guy walking out of, of you know, of the saloon, you know, and the, 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 the tumbleweed rolling through. And you can just, you know, the guy coming out with the six shooters ready, ready to plow. You can, I can just see this in my head. As he's walking, he's scared, but he's walking. Oh, that'll preach right there. He's scared, but he's walking. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in the will of God scared. Yes. 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 Why? Because I like to be yes. in control. Yes. God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know why. How, but, God, I trust you. And so you walk. And come on, sometimes you take a step of faith, but you take yes. it shaking in your boots. That's right. Amen. Not every one of us just step out and go, oh, yeah, this is easy. No, some of us are like, okay, God, I'm going, right? We're doing the old Tim Conway shuffle, you know? You know what I'm saying? We're going. Yeah. We're in there. <laughs> I can see Jonah. He's walking, and he preaches what God tells him to preach. Now, I want you to listen. Because as I've been studying this, I always thought, okay, Jonah walks in, and he tells them, you know, Repent. Pretty much, and when he does, they do. Now this is a group who is 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 mean. Like Taylor Swift should write a song about them, right? This group is mean, and so I always thought, how in the world did Jonah just walk in? Was there like big guys that God stationed behind him, like listen to him or die, right? How how did this? How many of you ever thought about that? How does this work? How does Jonah go in? And then all of a sudden this whole city who has this huge reputation of being just, just uh, meanie brats, right? How do they say, okay, we'll do it, right? You start to study history behind this. This took place in, 780, in 763 B.C. And in 763 B.C., there was one of the first full eclipses of the suns okay, of the sun. To the Assyrian people, to the people living in Nineveh, I want you to hear this, this is so cool to me. Eclipses, comets, stars, shooting stars, hurricanes and other natural phenomena were often warnings from their pagan gods, they believed, of incoming doom. Someone or something had offended a god. And around that time, around this time that Jonah enters into Nineveh, there was a brutal famine that had occurred. They were suffering from unrelenting enemy attacks. The the people around them had pretty much gotten sick and tired, so they had joined forces. But every time they would come, Nineveh would just wipe them clean. But how many know it takes a little bit out if you have to defend your city all the time? And so they were, had these unrelenting attacks that were coming out of them. They were struggling from internal revolts. There was an overthrow that same year. Uh, people were trying to overthrow the king and overthrow uh, uh, his, his rule and his reign. And then this solar eclipse happens. And when this solar eclipse happens, it puts everyone on high alert from the king all the way down. Everyone's on high alert because, oh, this... What's, what's going on here? Someone has offended a god. And in history books, we learn that wise men were sought after, that books of prophecy were searched, that sacrifices were made to appease their gods. All this stuff happened. The king of Nineveh, the king of Assyria, he was desperate to move his nation into a time of just re- relaxation and peace and prosperity. And into this turmoil, into this fear of this people comes a message from a prophet of God of 40 days and you will be overturned. That's how Jonah got the response. But who set all that up? Whoa, come on somebody. God did. And I always wondered, how did Jonah, did he just look, was he bad at the bone? You know, how did he look? But he walks in and all these things are happening. And they're looking for an answer. They're looking for, oh my goodness, the gods are mad. And then Jonah comes in and Jonah says, no, I've got the one and only God. And 40 days from now, this place will be overturned if you don't repent. And they say, you're right. It's crazy to me. Crazy how God orchestrates this whole thing. Now, he comes in, not only that, but check this out. He's been in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights. He's been in the gastric juice. How many of you have ever been in the gastric juices of a fish? <laughs> I haven't either. Sometimes I look like it. But they say, they tell us that through the gastric juices of, of, of inside of a large fish, that those, those acids will make your skin White. And it will make your hair white White, 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 white Right, almost where your skin and your hair has a glow to it So add this special effect to Jonah coming into town He is white, (laughs) right He almost looks, they say, almost look probably angelic As he comes in and declares 40 days or Yeah, 40 days And this place will be overturned Isn't God crazy? Come on, you serve an awesome God. You serve a crazy God. You serve a God that sets things into motion that you don't even know until you show up in your Nineveh. And then when you show up in your Nineveh, you see it. God's got your back. God had it all worked out. Come on, somebody. God had it all worked out. And then Scripture says he proclaims 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Eight words in English, five words in Hebrew. The message is, is short. I know some of you are thinking, why didn't you do that? <laughs> right? It's short. Martin Luther, I remember reading a book about him, and he, his advice to young preachers was stand up, speak out, uh, be short, sit down. Right? I didn't, I didn't like that book. Um, now, this word overturned, 40 days, and your city will be overturned. In the Hebrew language has a double meaning, kind of like, Bar, we have a bar of soap, and then we have a bar, you know, where, you know, you know what I'm saying, (laughs) you know, and so you, 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 there's a lot of different bars that you can think of, it's at the bar high, well I don't actually mean lifting a business up high, (laughs) you know, a lot of different meanings for bar, well here you have a couple of different meanings for overturned, it's the word hip-hop, not hip-hop, HIPPOC, H-I-P-P-O-C-K. And HIPPOC, it means in 40 days, you will either be destroyed or you will be changed. Yes. Okay? 40 days, you'll either be destroyed or HIPPOC, you'll be changed, one or the other. How many know God's mercy is a limited time offer? Yes, it is. True. Yes. Yeah. Come on. Yes. Right now, Jesus is our Savior. There's coming a day he's our judge. Yes, true. Right now, his mercy and his grace is there to freely be, be, be received. But one day, it will stop. Right. And one day, our eternity will begin. Right. And one day, we will come on. Yeah, and so his mercy, his mercy is a limited time offer. Yes. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. Right. Forty days, you'll either be changed or you'll be destroyed which one's it going to be, Nineveh? And they, they, they knew this. It's like when the electric bill, you know, they send a little bill in, you know, in your mail saying, hey, you know, you got till this date to pay your bill. And on that date, you will be changed <laughs> or your air conditioning will be destroyed. <laughs> right. Right? right? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. We are pastoring in sepulpa. And I remember speaking, I'm about to wrap this up. I remember talking to my congregation then about repentance. And I remember the title of the message was Repent or Repaint. Sometimes we just want to paint over something and not come on somebody. We had a gentleman in our church that morning. He came forward. And with tears just flowing, I remember, man, such a repentant heart. And this, this gentleman, he, he, was a, he was a biker, biker dude. I mean, he 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 wore the biker stuff everywhere. I never never saw Charles outside of his biker stuff. Wore it everywhere he went. And and he, he if you ever got you know in trouble, he's a guy you'd want on your side. And he come forward that morning, and I can remember it, man. It just blew me away to see him weep, the way he was weeping, you know. And he was weeping. He was crying out to God, and there were people around there praying. And, Man, he he gave his heart to God that morning. His wife had been coming to church for for, for years there but he'd always been on the run. We had his well moment and now he come and gave his heart to the Lord that day and that night a little after 10 o'clock we're sitting in the parsonage and I'm sitting in the easy chair and trying to wind down from the day and that night we get a call from the hospital there in town and they said, Pastor Jared, can you please come to the hospital? We have a family and your church is here and they they really need you at this time and so I went and it was Charles and his his wife Diane and I know that sounds like royalty from England but I promise this is real people and as we went there uh, Charles didn't make it Charles didn't make it I did his funeral that Wednesday after he gave his heart to the Lord that Sunday 40 days and you'll be changed or you'll be destroyed he had no clue he was on day 40. He had no clue. And that day, things changed in his heart. And that day, he went to heaven to meet his Savior. Had that more did not happened, he would have went to eternity without Christ. But the word of the Lord came to him that day, and he responded, and he was changed. And today, he's waiting on us with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 5. Verse 5 is one of the most difficult verses for anyone living that time to believe. We'll get through these real quick. It says, Then the Ninevites believed God. Notice who they didn't believe. Who? Jonah. They believed who? God. They believed God. They declared a fast. Man, how many you know that's getting intense? And so they declared a fast from the greatest to the least. They put on sackcloth. Now go back to the beginning. They believed God. You need to understand, for a first-time reader reading this of this day, they'd be like, no way, that's not happening. That, that's like us today, like us saying, hey, did you hear this morning? All of Hollywood turned to the Lord. And the women on the view led the way. You know? And did you hear it down on the strip in Vegas? They turned all the casinos into houses of worship where they can reach out to the poor. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Did you read that in the news this morning? <laughs> See, us trying to believe that is like people trying to believe that Nineveh had turned to God. They'd be like, no way. No way. Not those guys. But they obeyed God they heard the word of the Lord they obeyed God then verse 6 through 9 when the news reached the king of Nineveh he rose from his throne he took off his royal robes he covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust for the king to take off his royal robes no one was was to see the king uh, uh when he was dressed this way and for him to take off his very best and come and sit down in the dust uh, in sackcloth and in ashes they say is he has he done that man that, that was a huge huge move for that city, as they saw that happen, and as the king says, you know, I'm in, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, I need forgiveness of this God, then in verse 7, it says this, it says, he issued a proclamation to Nineveh, he said, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast or herd or flock taste anything, do not let them even eat or drink, so the people said on their own, we are going to fast from food, the king then said, hey, we're going to raise a standard, not only are you going to fast, but even your dog is going to fast, even those cows out in the pasture, they're going to fast, even Even those horses, they're going to fast. Those sheep, they're going to fast. Those pigs, they're going to fast. Don't you dare fry them up. We're fasting from them right now, right? He says everything, everything, we're going to fast everything. And then verse 8, let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and turn from their violence. Let them change not just with their words but with their actions. In verse 9, who knows that God may yet relent and with compassion Turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Who knows? Will God give us a shaney? Will God give us a second chance? Everyone's fasting. I read this. I read that uh, if you had 10 head of cattle that fasted for one day, you can hear their cries for over two miles away. That's crazy because I know if we don't feed our kids for 30 minutes, you can hear them five miles away. (laughs) Right? So... Think about the sound of mourning that was coming from that city, coming from that area. Think about the, the cow, everyone just, just mourning. And think about because they believed that even an animal could offend a deity. So that's why the king said, hey, even animals are fasting, okay? We're going to cover all the bases here, and we're going to make sure we're right with God. Jonah comes out. He's preaching fire. The Ninevites, the people with the photos from the God, they said, okay, we're going to turn to God. And, and, and there are those right now who you may like, you know what? I'm so far from God, there's no way. No, 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 no. If Nineveh can come to God, I promise you there is grace and mercy for you too. I promise you it is there. And, you, know, and you, you, you never know the person who seems the furthest from God inside might be the closest to giving, that, giving their life, turning their heart and saying, God, I give you everything this morning. The Ninevites, they repent. And if you study history, sadly, their repentance don't last very long. It just lasts for a short period of time if you study through history. But uh, it's, it's rather short-lived. But here we see the grace of God. We see it at work Verse one, God showed Noah, Jonah, grace. Verse ten, God showed Nineveh grace. When God saw what they did and how they turned from the evil ways, what He have on them, He had compassion. He relented from what He had threatened. God gave them a second chance. And I pray that as I start, I'm closing right now. I pray that as I start this thirty seventh year of my life, that God, the things I messed up on, the things I have let go, and the thing, I pray that God will give me a second chance as well. That God will, will refresh. The the wind in my spirit and give me a second chance to start and to reach and to do it over again. Because how many you know when you mess up, when you make a mistake, you don't get to start where you want to. you got to go back to where you lost it. Start there and then move forward from there. So wherever you lost it, I want to encourage you, go back. Go back to where you lost it. Go back to, 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 to where, it, where it evaded you. Go back to, to, to where your, your peace was gone. Go back to where your joy was gone. Go back to where you lost hope. Go back to where you lost that vision for your life Go back to where you lost that passion for Jesus Christ. Go back to that point. And I promise you, God will meet you there, and He'll give you a shaney. He'll give you a second chance. Amen? Amen. All right. Everybody calm down. What I want you to do is this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. I want you to think about something you might be holding on to. Something you just might be grabbing hold on to. And you can't move forward until you let go. Until you hip hop, Until you let go. You got to let go. Loosen those ties. And let go. There's a destiny that waits on you. There's a purpose that waits on you. There's a hope that waits on you. There's a future that waits on you. But you can't go into it dragging your old self. Let go. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know what it is in your life. But whatever it might be, Jared, they don't deserve forgiveness, I know. But in the eyes of God, we didn't either. But His grace and mercy made us righteousness through Christ. So you can forgive, not in your own, but in the power of Jesus Christ. Maybe that shame, that guilt has followed you of those things you've done in the past. I'm telling you, you can't move into your destiny with that behind you. Let it go. God doesn't see you that way anymore. You've been changed. You've been changed. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a habit. I don't know, but I know whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is laying it on your heart as we speak. There's something in your life that needs to change and you need to let go of. And you may walk out these doors saying, God, I don't know how. I believe that through counsel and through the leading of his Holy Spirit, he'll show you how. You come talk to us. I'd love to sit down and talk to you about it. he can show you how. And I really felt this is where we need to go this morning. So if you're here today and you say, Jared, there's some things before I can move into my destiny, I need to let go of these things. Maybe it's betrayal. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a dream that is just seem to die a vision that is there no longer and now there's frustration you need to let go of that grab hold to God again and get your dream back get your vision back, get your hope back maybe that's you this morning maybe any one of those or something I didn't even mention, speak in your heart right now. now will you just slip your hand up right now come on, slip it up, yeah yes, yes Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Praise your name, Jesus. Father, I pray this morning in this holy moment, God, that you would stir us. God, that you would stir us as individuals. God, that you would stir me as a leader. Father, that you would stir your your people this morning. God, with that divine passion. God, knowing that what awaits before us is so much greater than that which is behind us. God, that that which is right in front of us, God, is so much more pleasing than that which we're trying to run from or that which we're trying to hide. And so, Father, this morning I pray, God, that you would bless us. God, that you would gift us, God, that you would strengthen us, God, with the courage and the strength and the the power to let go. God, to let go of those old things. God, those old things have passed away and all things have become new. So, Father, give us the strength to keep going. God, give us the strength to release. God, some of the things we hold on to is security. Some of the things we hold on to is, is 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 our way, our control. God, us us sing, okay. This is how it's going to work. No, no, we got to let go of that, God, and trust you with everything before us. And so, Father, I pray this morning. I pray for those who raise their hands and those who didn't, but maybe right now your Holy Spirit speaking to their heart. And I pray this this morning they would make that decision. And, God, they would seek through your word. They would seek through the Holy Spirit. They would seek through, through, through counsel of another brother or sister. God, how to release, how to let go if they're struggling with that. And, God, let us venture toward our destiny. Let us venture toward our hope. Let us venture toward our future, laying aside all things that are old and taking up this new power in Jesus Christ. God, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for a second chance. Thank you, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. That everybody said, amen.